Come on, Pam. You know, we can't start until you do the thing. Do the thing, Pam. I don't want to do the thing. Okay. Do the thing, Pam. No. Okay, well, how about if we do the thing together? You do it first. Okay. Ready? All right. Podcast. Podcast. You should totally listen to this podcast. See? Is B going to join us? B's going to join us. We have B as a special singing guest. All right, so we're going to all do it together. Ready? One, two, three. Podcast, podcast, podcast. You, you should totally, totally listen, listen to this podcast. podcast. See, that wasn't too bad, was no, it? Easy. It wasn't too bad at all. Scream it. <sighs> so there's that. <laughs> hey, John. Danielle, how are you? I'm well. How about you? Peachy. Peachy. So we've been talking. We do talk. From time to time. Sometimes in front of a microphone. Sometimes in front of a microphone. You guys... You're lucky. You get to hear us. <laughs> Are they? <laughs> or maybe not. I'm and sorry. And those of you about to click off, hang on. <laughs> hang on. You guys, we're talking about stuff today. Everyone has stuff. Is it just me that has stuff? It's not just you in front of this microphone that has stuff. Um, so, you know, we started this podcast a few months ago with the understanding that we all have things that impact us every day, but that we don't always share with other people. So, because we are trying to just... Deal. Get on with life. Right. And we're trying to deal with it. I it's think, mine. It's not yours. Don't worry about it. I'll you figure it out. You don't want to hear it. Yeah. Right. But what if we did take some time to get to know people a little bit better beyond just surface level conversations in an effort to really understand what makes them tick? What kinds of things weigh them down? And how does that impact their everyday lives? And maybe hearing those stories would make us not feel as bad about our own stuff because we're not the only ones. Right. I mean, there are things that we go through, struggles that we all go through that are really universal, that I think are hard sometimes, and so we don't talk about it. But in not talking about it, it makes us feel isolated and alone. So we're on here today to tell you, you're not alone, guys. You're not isolated. You're not alone with your stuff. So let's meet someone who has a story, who has some baggage, who has had some struggles that have impacted their life in... And when you reach Some out way. and care about somebody and listen to their story, you never know who you'll meet. So today, let's meet Pam and hear her story. And maybe in listening to her story, we'll learn to be more understanding, be more empathetic, and be kinder to each other because you never know what somebody's going through. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think we, um, I think we both kind of wanted to. I really felt like listening to her stories that mm-hmm. I could listen to them for days, mm-hmm. and so I think I put out there, you should do a podcast, right? Yeah, and I actually said that's funny because it was it's on my bucket list. I've really been working on my bucket list lately. Like, Good for you. Stop, stop waiting for tomorrow and just start doing. I the made things. a new will. <laughs> the opposite. Let's, not, let's not kick the bucket. It's let's, on the bucket list. Um, but yeah, I said that's crazy because I want to do one. How about we do one together? So we've just kind of spent the last couple of months just getting to know each other, getting to know each other's families and kids, and cool planning, planning, and yeah. talking about kind of what we want this to be. be. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So the disclaimer is that you are being recorded. Are you okay with being recorded? I'm fine with being and recorded. Are you okay with us using your voice to publish out in internet land? Internet though. <laughs> I, I am. I mean, I'm not shy about telling my story. I'm not embarrassed by my story. Yeah. And if people can learn anything and help themselves with my story, I'm more than happy to give it. Well, we're so glad to have you. One of the beauties of meeting these people that we're interviewing Danielle and talking to is when you ask a question and you're really listening, you never know what you're going to hear. You never know. For example, <laughs> here we were just talking, we're about to dive into a heavy story, talking to Pam about how we should refer to her daughter to protect privacy, and this happened. We can just call her B. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what I call her. Perfect. All the time is B. You know we still have the B up that you gave us in Braille's that's room. Nice. Yeah. Was yeah. it a hand me down B from Yeah, it was B? a hand me down B from it's my a, B. It's that's a awesome. mirror. It's a letter made into a mirror. Right. So I, I found this pink B capital B letter and it's about that big. It's right? big. I mean yeah, it's, it's big. And then I uh, mounted a mirror on the back of it. 
so there's two little places where you can see your face or whatever you want to see. In the bee holes. In, in the in bee, bee holes. holes. That's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the holes of the bee. <laughs> That's a much better way of um, putting it. Yeah, so yeah. in the letter. Right? <laughs> yeah, in the bee hole. <laughs> but yeah, so, so my bee was the recipient. <laughs> From my bee. Of the bee hole mirror. Of, of, of the, the bee hole mirror. mirror. So now you're not going to be able to get it again. No. I'm not thinking about it. No. The bee hole mirror. It's, that's what I'm, I'm forever going to refer to it as. It. And now it can't go anywhere. No, it can't. So it's stuck with us. And uh-huh. we can pass it down. Hopefully there will be another, another bee, bee name. That will need a bee hole mirror. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I've told John a little bit about your story. Okay. Just, just a little. Which story? Um, just... Being a single mom, having a daughter who has kind of struggled in some ways, Mm -hmm. um, and how how we've kind of formed a little bit of a relationship over the years, and Uh um, I just thought, what better person to talk to about some of your experiences Mm -hmm. than Pam? Yeah, yeah, I'm more than happy to talk to you about it. So, which what what story do you want to tell us? Well, so uh, ten years ago. August 8th, 2008, and I closed on the house across the street from Danielle. And uh, I was moving from where she'd been born in Pennsylvania and where I'd worked for the last 10 years um, to a place where we didn't know anybody. And hours and hours away from friends and family because I was able, I got a job offer I couldn't refuse. You know, they, they made it impossible for me to refuse locating I was I was at a um, a rather fancy college on the East Coast in Illinois came after me and I said oh yeah thank you very much <laughs> so we moved and uh, ended up living across the street I didn't realize that you'd only lived there not even a year before we moved in yeah I thought you were there longer uh-uh no we moved there August 8th 2008 we okay. closed yeah so it was 10, 10 years ago. It was in fifth grade? Fifth grade. Okay. Yes. Yes, fifth grade. Um, and we were so lucky she got... So the decision we, in August, which school do you go to when you don't know anything about the school systems? And, you know, how do you manage that? And I had no babysitting daycare anything set up right so we get here and she's going to the school that's got the year-round one of the schools with the year-round school system and they were actually already had started back to school which was great because then I didn't have to find you know child care for the day um, and we were very lucky she had an absolutely wonderful teacher for fifth grade and she made friends um, lovely girls and was was doing very 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 well so the first year was okay. Um, then, then we hit sixth grade. Um, she's very bright, and she was always this very confident, outgoing, artistic girl that just took the world as her own, and that was disappearing. It was going away. So we, she had a lot of daddy issues, um, and I, I don't want to get into those um, in this particular um, discussion. But she, you know, felt very distant from her father. And whenever he talked to her on the phone, it was always negative. You know, you need to do this, you need to do that. And he started, you know, going on her physical appearance. You're, you're too fat. You need to study this. You need to get a job where you make over $100,000. She's in sixth grade, for crying out loud, right? It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And then we had an incident where... Um, I, I remember distinctly it was Super Bowl Sunday and we were watching it at the house I had a few people over and all of a sudden she disappeared and went up to her room um, and the next morning she came down and she was wearing a hooded sweatshirt with the sleeves all the way down and the hood was pulled down over her her eyes and I was like you know what's going on and when she reached for something I saw on her arm that she had carved with a knife the word perfect into her forearm and it had taken about 80 or 90 cuts to to do that Um, and what had triggered it was which is why we have the tattoos we have now that say warrior Um, but it was uh, 
her dad had said something about black people when they were texting back and forth that she was, you know, watching the Super Bowl and da 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 da. And he said, "Well, I'm down here in this particular bar. There's a lot of." black people and he used the n-word to describe them and said some not pleasant things and it was uh she went off on him you know as she should have right good for, right. Her. Good good for, for her. her i was you know uh, and he started texting back calling her names um finally we sorted that he thought i had picked up her phone and it was me and he was talking to me uh, which is bad enough, mm-hmm. but you know I, I don't care what he says anymore. He can, you know, I, you, but you're an adult I'm an and adult not a child, and not a child, right? And it devastated her, you know, that that he was calling her all these names and and everything, and and that's when she started cutting. Ugh, you guys, uh, it's devastating to hear Pam talk about bee cutting, but like any good mom, she doesn't sweep it under the rug. She is close enough with her daughter and pays enough attention to notice that something is wrong, something is happening. And that something is really just a combination of lots of external factors. Anxiety, depression. Things that are happening at school. With her dad. Yeah. And it's going to get worse. I think before, before it, it gets, gets better. better. Um, and the depression got worse and worse. The anxiety got worse and worse. She retreated. And eventually went into a really severe funk. Um, and I got her into... So the second half of sixth grade, she was really struggling. And her friends had kind of moved away from her because she was getting weird. Um, and she wasn't enjoying any of the after-school activities. She was getting cut. Um, she was getting teased. She was getting bullied. And so she wrote a note to the one of the friends that she had and it said that she was thinking of killing herself. And, and this was in sixth grade. This was in sixth grade. And the friend took it to the guidance counselor and the guidance counselor called me and I came and got her and um, took her and she, that was her first inpatient hospitalization um, for depression and anxiety. First of all, I commend that friend. Uh-huh. What a good friend. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was a huge. I mean, I when I saw that girl the next time, I just enveloped her. Oh yeah. Know, and, and hugged her, and the guidance counselor um, was is is a wonderful person and did absolutely appropriately the right thing, and you know the local um, hospital where they take juveniles. Um, if have you ever been in there? I have. It's it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, it's very terrible. Um, so over the next, uh, can I ask? Did you, did you think it was a possibility? Do you think she was really there and considering it at this time yet? I don't know. I think she was perched on the precipice. You know, I think that she was feeling strange place. Her daddy yelling at her. Um, me not understanding. I had to learn so much. So this may have been that cry for help. That cry for help. Right, yeah. And she handled it very well. I mean, she was very mature about the whole thing. I was surprised. And, and I shouldn't have been, because she's a very mature, thoughtful, bright kid. Um, but, but, you know, the separation, because we're almost joined at the hip, um, was hard on both of us. And, and I felt tremendous guilt. I, I still do. I mean, I get teary. I just thinking about it. What did I do? What guilt. could I have done different? You know, how could I, did I stay in the marriage too long and that let it set up and she had the simmering underneath? How, being as hard working a mother as I am to support us, was I not there when I needed to be there? You know, was I distracted when I should have been paying attention? Um, Why didn't I understand cutting? Why didn't I understand? So I, I had to go through a lot myself to learn and, and to understand that um, cutting is different from suicide and that she actually would cut to feel better, that it would relieve the pain that she had inside. It was another type of pain and, and it distracted her mm-hmm. um, from what was going on. She's, I F- think- Physical pain being Physical pain being better than, pain being better than, than the mental and emotional pain, yeah. And she, um, I think she's been clean cutting She'll have a little tiny cut, maybe every four to six months. 
and she always talks to me about it. I mean, so I, it's still it's ha- still happening. It still happens, but nowhere near like it was. I mean, she had cuts on her arms, cuts on her legs, um, cuts on her chest, cuts on her belly, um, which is pretty typical. Uh, and boys cut too, you know. I, it's um, which I wasn't as aware of because they talk mostly about girls. But there's a, a, a huge percentage of teenage boys that also cut, and they learn it from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, she learned it um, when we were on vacation between fifth and sixth grade with two girls that she had grown up with, and we went back to the East Coast, and one of those girls was cutting, and she learned it. Um, from this other girl. So they do learn it from each other. As do they lots of things. Lots of things. I mean yeah. yeah. The peer influence is no joke. No, it's not. I mean it's 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 quite and, and both in a positive and negative way. So then of course when she was hospitalized the first time and that got around school it was even worse. Bullies are bad enough on an everyday basis when there's nothing really going on. Right and now they know And now they have this information and B's life really becomes terrible a lot of bullying a lot of heckling girls at this age i will tell you just having having been a girl in middle school girls can be really really mean and not just girls right i I mean anyone can be mean but but there's something about that middle school mentality of girls where the where the gossiping and the the clicks start forming like i can only imagine this stuff getting around and so pam has a relationship with b where she notices and B is talking to her, and so Pam gets involved. Yeah, and she goes and talks to people at the school. Yeah, and and like her her daughter thought might happen, um, it gets worse. And so then she didn't want to tell me when things were happening, or she would beg me, not to say anything, because mom, it'll only get worse. So what it, kind of things were happening? Just in school, verbal bullying, uh, verbal name calling, shaming. Um, walking down the hallway, kids would have sharpened pencils and poker, oh, and you, you, she'd come home with these leads stuck in her skin from breaking them off from these pencils. That's horrifying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. And so you respected her wishes to I not did. I did. jump in? I, I had to respect her wishes because I saw what happened. Yeah. You know, um, and going to the school did, did no good. You know, the, this whole situation, and girls can be so mean to each so other. Mean. So, so mean. So mean. So mean to each other. And and these, you know, the girls that had been her friends kind of stayed her friend. Uh, a couple of them really did. But they were being going into different groups. It, you know, the whole group was breaking up and going different directions. But there were two girls in particular that stayed friends with her and supported her. And... Um, so Bianca then started psychotherapy, um, saw a psychiatrist, got involved with the therapist, and we, we've been very lucky in that that group has been constant and consistent this whole time. So, I'm, And she is now how old? She's 20. So she was 10 when we moved here, and she's 20 now. Um, we went through 14 separate hospitalizations. Between then and now? Between then and now, yeah. She's two years, more than two years since her last inpatient hospitalization. Good for her. She's been to a, a couple ER visits where she's w- scared herself, um, thinking that I think I think I'm going to do something. I'm scared. I'm going to do something, and would she'll call the ambulance herself. So yeah. I remember one particular night, and I don't even know if if you know this, but um, my B was about a year old. It was maybe 12, 1 in the morning. I was in the nursery nursing her, and our nursery faced mm-hmm. your your house. And I remember hearing sirens. Uh-huh. And I knew at that point that, you know, she had been struggling, and I was terrified. And I waited to talk to the ambulance to make sure she yeah. was okay. Yeah. I just said, you don't have to tell me anything. I just need to know she's okay. Yeah. And that, that moment will be forever ingrained because I stood outside with, with B for quite some time I remember it was cold there was a lot of hustle and bustle Mm -hmm. and I was terrified terrified for her terrified for you Mm -hmm. because now I knew as a mom Mm -hmm. what what it would what it would be like yeah if I mean and I was so thankful when he said you know she's okay and that's all I needed to know to go back inside but uh, but I had to wait there until I knew yeah so that's something beyond cutting that's beyond cutting. She was suicidal. 
Yeah, so she became suicidal. She overdosed twice. Um, and, well, she, she tried to overdose more than that, but she picked poorly. <laughs> so Well, thank goodness you know. for that. Right. But, but the whole thing is she would then get very afraid and let me know. You know, um, and I, I can't, I mean, the times all blend together at this point. Um, there was one time when she became quite, it, it, she really took a bad drug and took a lot of it. And uh, she was in the hospital for a couple of days and then went to an institution outside of Chicago where she was there for three weeks. They changed antidepressants. Uh, I mean, all of this medication is just Russian roulette with the brain. Mm -hmm. And especially with kids because their brains are changing constantly constantly so what was working last month might not be working this month and then if you change you're rewiring everything Rewire. again and starting from scratch right right and who knows what's going to come out of that right and so she was on one medication um that was causing her heart problems but it took us a while to sort that out she had um long qt syndrome with it um cymbalta is the drug and it's a known side effect, which I didn't know. But she was passing out. She was just dropping down. And it took a while to sort that out. But it also made her very aggressive. And there were two times I had to call the police for my own protection because of her attacking me. Tell me what that was like as a mom to have to, I mean, to also be a little bit afraid. Oh, yeah. But then to also know that I, I am calling the police because I'm scared from my daughter. I'm scared that my daughter is going right. to hurt me. What was that like? Oh, it was it was horrible. I mean, it, and and she was my size at that point, um, and and enraged. I mean, she I mean, had the advantage. She had the advantage, and and I would look in her eyes, and and I did not recognize that person that was there at all, and she would pick up things and throw them at me, and shove me into the walls, and put her fists up. Um, and so I did get a security system installed in the house that I could hit. And I used that once to call 911. Um, and she'd take my phone from me so I couldn't call, you know. And, and uh, I, I remember I locked her out of the house once. I got her locked out of the house. And she was banging on the front door with one of the chairs on our front porch, trying to break it down and was going to break the windows down. And... And um, she didn't have any shoes on, and it was cold. And the policeman showed up, and he started screaming at me that I it was child abuse what I was doing. And I, I said, you have to let her in. And I go, not unless you promise me she's not going to hurt me. I said, if you can keep her under control, then I'll open the door. But otherwise, I'm not going to open the door. And so I did. And, and, you know, she would very quickly flip back and be aghast and, and upset and, you know, couldn't believe that she'd done that and really, really um, apologetic and shaking even. Um, it happened once she had a boyfriend um, and she got enraged at his house once and was in their front yard and they had called the police and the police came and threw her on the ground and put cuffs on her back and put her in the back of the car. And, and she was um, 14 oh years old, gosh. maybe. Yeah. So she ran away a couple times. Um, never never got too far. Because she never, I never had any money. <laughs> <laughs> right. I remember finding the one time the police found him at the McDonald's at the intersection of Neil and uh, Kirby. And, you know, together I think they had three bucks, and so they bought some French fries or something. I mean, you know, I don't know what, what they did, but she would just be impulsive and self-destructive. How did her relationships impact her emotional state? So what type of relationships? Um, her, well, she had a boyfriend at the time. Oh, yeah. So yeah. how did her... You know, outside of familial, uh -huh. you know, and I guess more of the dating type relationships. How did that impact her emotionally? Was it did it make things easier for her? Did it make things more difficult? It was very scary for me to watch from the outside. Um, her first serious boyfriend um, also had significant mental health issues, and they actually met in the hospital that we we're both familiar with. And um, he had um, 
um, uh, bipolar syndrome and Tourette's. Uh, and creative and funny and charming, wonderful parents, and all over the place, all over the place. Two years older than she was. Um, <laughs> so we definitely can't identify her once I say this, but <laughs> <laughs> um, she she talks to me. I, the one lucky, wonderful, wonderful thing about it is she tells me everything. Yeah. Because she knows I won't get mad. Kudos to you as a parent yeah, yeah, to yeah. make her realize that you're a safe space, and no matter yeah. what, you'll yeah. be there. Oh no, she can talk to me about anything, and and I won't get angry. Um, I need to know these things, right? You know. So, so she's thirteen, right? And dating this guy who's fifteen. And they both are a little not well balanced and she finally comes to me and she mom I got to talk to you about something and I was like what she goes I had sex yesterday at 13 at 13 and and I was like really so what do you want to do about it and she goes well I don't know um, you know so we went and we got her the morning after pill because she you know just to make sure and you know, I then went and got her on some birth control, and we talked about it. And you know, I'm like, and I actually sat down and talked to his parents about it too, because they were all worried that I was going to charge him with statutory rape. You know, and I'm like, she said yes. I'm, you know, <laughs> they're both teenagers. What am I going to do? Um, but they, um, she pointed out where they did it, and it was on a little bit of a hill outside. So every time we drive by that spot, <laughs> I sing, I found my thrill. <laughs> you got to have some humor, right? And, oh, yeah. I mean, she cracks up, and I crack up. And so, you know, she's been very open about that kind of thing. Um, and she was getting better between 13 and 15 years of age. She wasn't great, but she was getting better. She was back in school. She was engaging in school. Um, I mean, she was doing a lot of homebound stuff, but she was doing honors classes homebound uh, and really proud of her, working very hard. And then her boyfriend committed suicide. Same boyfriend. Uh-huh. And he's the boy that threw himself in front of the semi-truck on 57 five years ago um, after a fight with his, he'd been at our house the night that night um, and his dad had picked him up at um, about nine o'clock and they'd gone home and apparently he had a fight with his parents stormed out of the house and ran across 57 in front of a semi-truck oh my gosh yeah and so for some reason I hadn't made Bianca go to school in the morning I don't know if she wasn't feeling well but she was asleep this and is the following morning. The following morning, the school called me, and they told me what had happened. And I, I, I you know, I burst into tears. Oh, because I had grown to really care for this young man too, and they were wonderful. They sent over the school psychologist and Bianca's counselor to help me tell her and to be there, and then her psychiatrist and her therapist met us because um, they also worked with the family his family they met us at the office over the lunch hour um, to check in with her because uh, everyone was very much afraid she would do the same thing mm -hmm. you know what very much you? afraid I of course I was uh, you know of course I was we made it through the memorial service and she was hospitalized two days later um, and was in for about 10 days at that particular time because she had attempted uh-huh yeah and her whole ability to cope was gone. Um, she was back to where she was when she was 12, 13. So um, it was a real setback. Yeah. Well, those kind of events have that impact on lots of people. Oh, I yeah. Mean, you don't start with a great baseline. Yeah. Or it's temporary and tied to that person. Right. She's going to have a setback. Well, one, one of the real contributors to it was he had called her, but her phone wasn't ringing through it was on silent three times just before he did it but he didn't leave a message so she felt guilty she felt guilty she thought if she'd answered her phone she, she could have, have changed something him. said mm -hmm. something done something right yeah so kids been through a lot sounds like you know, been through a so lot. have you yeah oh yeah 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 and i mean it was a very very hard time very hard time i mean I, the 
the interesting thing for me was the lack of empathy for what I was going through at work. You know, there were people that were taking advantage of the fact that I would all of a sudden have to leave during the middle of the day and might not be back and using it against me um, to, you know... Saying that you weren't doing your job or uh weren't fulfilling your obligations. I was unreliable. I was this, I was that. And, And I'm one of the biggest producing faculty members in our group, so... You know, I'm I'm not going to get into that, but I know I do my work. I know I do my job, and I do it exceptionally well. So, uh, you know, that was... Uh, but that's some of where, you know, kind of this podcast stems from, right? Right. If, if, we're, if we're listening to each other, if we're being empathetic, if we know what somebody is living through, right? maybe we can be better than that, right? Well, I, I tried. It was really interesting. I tried very hard to make sure that my... Um, department chair and anyone above me in a supervisory role knew what was going on that they were aware of what I was struggling with and I thought I had made friends in the group and it turns out I hadn't these were people that were taking personal information that I shared with them and then turning it around and using it against me and that was a shock that was really, really tore me down when I realized that. Um, that's when I gave up my own administrative role and, and stepped away. I, I was just like, I, I cannot deal with this. I have to focus on my family and what career I can salvage at this point. You know, And I came in as a full professor with tenure, so nobody can really do anything to me. You know, which is, uh, But other people in this position wouldn't have that safety net. You know, I was lucky to have that going through this. So, um, and I went in therapy myself to be able to deal with her mm-hmm. and, and give her what I could give her. Uh, and I'm very proud of her. She's done a lot of very, very hard work, a lot of hard work. Um, she's uh, graduated high school mm-hmm. and with a 3-5. Yay. Yay. And then she's done a little bit of Parkland. Um, doesn't know what she wants to do. I don't think she needs to decide what she wants to do. She's engaged um, to a young man who I like a lot. He's a hard-working guy. He's polite. I like him, and I'm fine He's with that. He's good for her. He's good for her. Yeah. Between those two, she was involved with a jerk. And it was... Like a self-fulfilling prophecy, she went and found the worst possible guy for her. And he was emotionally abusive, and I wasn't aware of how much was going on, but he was physically abusive. Do you think there was something intentional about that? I think so. subconsciously? I I would think so, you know. Um, Part, yeah. I mean, and part of it, I worry for her that she doesn't, she needs that male influence in her life, and she doesn't have it. Uh, you know, her dad is here, there, everywhere. His his big thought is that, you know, it's up to her to communicate with him, and she needs to always respect him no matter what, and it's very strange. Uh, well, when you don't have a relationship, that's yeah. hard to ask that of someone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit how... Um, you're taking time off of work impacted your work relationships. Uh-huh. How do they impact your personal relationships, your friendships, your, you know, outside of work, just your everyday, your family, your own family, right. your friends outside of work? What kind of impact did what you were going through with B have on those kinds of relationships? So people get tired of hearing about it. You know, they really do. My own family's been supportive, but they're all distant. I don't have anybody within less than... I have a brother who lives in northern um, Indiana that I've seen a few times. Um, I have a stepsister that I communicate with on the phone, and I've got another brother that we talk on the phone. It's mostly Facebooking. Um, So, I mean, they're there, but, you know, they're... And and my, my one brother has actually taken... Bianca on vacation a few times, but after the last time, which was a bunch of years ago now, she's not been invited along with them again because I think it's just too much, mm-hmm. you know, for them to have to worry about. Um, a lot of my work involves travel, so I would have to take Bianca with me everywhere I went, all over the world, 
and because who wants that responsibility you know I, I couldn't leave her with anyone um, so I didn't have friends I have you <laughs> you're a friend um, and I've made other friends, um, but they're not work-related at all. I, I, wherever I've worked before, I've always had a group of friends from work. Honest, true, good friends. And here, I don't know what it was about it, but it, it didn't, it didn't work. So, um, and I, and I think I'm not trusting anymore right. of, of that, um, after being burned a few times. Right. So, it, you know, it is what it is, but now that be, more stable I'm actually branching out again so meeting new people and making a point of going out myself I couldn't leave her home alone so how does that feel now I mean you're finally doing things for you yeah yeah I am and you look well you're smiling as you're yeah. answering this because it makes you feel great I, I, what I had to do over the last couple of years as you've been part of this journey is rediscovering myself um, figuring out who I was, what I wanted to do, where I needed to go. Uh, you know, I, there was always in the back of my mind, if I lose my daughter, what becomes of me? You know, what becomes of me? My life was my daughter for so long. And um, and arguably still is. I mean. Oh yeah. Oh. You know. Course. I mean. Yeah. I, that, yeah but uh, you know. The, I must say, you've taken her everywhere to some really cool places. And think about all the experiences that you have been able to give her. Oh yeah. I mean, how awesome! It's one of the real benefits of what I do. I mean, she's been with me to um, Paris. Um, she's been with me to Italy. She's been with me to England. She's been with me to Finland, Sweden. Um, she's been with me to Brazil uh, I mean we've been all over the world together and she's a very good traveler for the most part you know one one trip she had an anxiety attack and wouldn't get on the plane and I wasn't able to make my meet my responsibilities as a speaker at a meeting we ended up skyping um, I skyped in to get it done but uh, God bless technology yeah oh thank God that's all it is <laughs> You know, because um, we were in Indianapolis Airport and she forgot to, she refused, absolutely, and I couldn't force her. I, mean, I couldn't p physically pick her up and make her get get on the thing. And, and she refused to understand what it was she was doing to me and to my my reputation at right. that point. But no, we've, um, great story, we were in Paris and... Um, the hotel was out by the airport where the meeting was, but I was only speaking for like two hours out of the whole meeting. So we we I do whatever I had to do, and then we jump on the train from the airport, and we just go into the center of Paris and go see whatever we wanted to see. And we went to Notre Dame, um, and so there's Notre Dame right in front of us, and we she was tired, and we saw the rose window and all that stuff, and so. As you're facing Notre Dame, just to the left, on a corner that uh, street sort of runs away from Notre Dame, but parallel to the you know face of Notre Dame, right on that corner is this little cafe, and so we sat there and we ordered ice cream, and it was vanilla bean ice cream. Well, this kid tasted that ice cream, and her face completely changed, <laughs> and she was like, "This." is amazing <laughs> this is the most wonderful ice cream i've ever eaten and for me that is one of my strongest memories of being in paris wow was it's uh, amazing how those small quiet yeah. moments sometimes matter yeah. more yeah. yeah she was like what is this and i go that's real vanilla ice cream. <laughs> real <laughs> real vanilla ice cream yeah and so we've got little bits of memories like that um i mean the first time she flew transatlantic with me she was five months old Wow. Yeah, she's been, she had her own passport since she was a month old. That's amazing. What memories, though, that you have been yeah. able to make over the course of yeah. her lifetime so far? So, kind of backtracking a little bit, um, you know, you, you've been so gracious to kind of share some of your experience as a parent with us. How do you balance sharing enough information with people over the course of the years to get maybe the support that you're needing, you're looking for? And balance the privacy right how, how to protect your privacy how to protect her privacy right how to protect other 
kids involved maybe how do you how do you balance those two or how have you or do you find that you're still kind of trying to do that I, I would say I'm still trying to do it it's a struggle initially I wanted to keep it all quiet you know I didn't want anyone to know embarrassed not embarrassed worried just well worried about what people would think I think I wanted to protect I wanted to protect my my home mm-hmm. I wanted to protect my daughter um, and so it was hard I didn't understand it when it when it started to I didn't understand it at all and, you know and there was evidence of it when she was younger she had a horrible temper when she was younger at times and literally would not make sense you know with what was going on but um, it, it's when when they hit that puberty thing, oh God! Right. You Lord know, help they, me! I'm oh not. yeah. Well, it's bad enough, and then you put mental health issues on top of it, and it, it's very explosive. But then I found that um, if the more I educated myself about what was going on and what I needed to do and what I needed to understand and dug into resources because I, I had to learn what was available in the community. I think I just want to say here that B is fortunate to have had a mom like Pam who not only talked to her and was knowledgeable about what was going on, but then when there were things she didn't know, she really went out of her way to dig in and find some resources. Yeah, it's super important to do that, to find what's available in the community. And then once you have a community, I think what we're trying to do with some of these interviews is let you know you're not alone. So when you find that there are resources, there are people to talk to, you get more comfortable opening up and, and talking about it. Yeah, and not well, not only talking about it, but sharing those resources too, because maybe that in turn helps somebody else. So you guys, speak up. When you find an awesome resource in your community, tell people, talk to people. You never know who that could help. You need to speak up. And so I've started to speak. I've been pretty honest with you all along. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just this is what's happening and this is what I know. And um, people that I I have a small circle of friends, but I have a small circle of friends I trust now. And uh, it, it, it took a while to build that. I, I'm pretty... I trust people until they've proven to me a couple times that I can't trust them. Not just once, it's got to be a couple times. I just really want to believe in people. Right, burn and, me once, uh, uh, shame, shame on, on me. Yeah. me, burn me twice, shame, shame on me, burn me. Or whatever, whatever the Burn thing. me three times, okay, now <laughs> All I'm right, done. I'm done, I'm, I'm, done. Done. I'm tapping out. Now. Okay, <laughs> and when I'm done. You're done. done. I'm done, yeah. yeah I'm so there done. is no third, fourth chance not anymore no no but there was i've been married twice (laughs) (laughs) so and i keep saying that the divorces are working out very well thank you (laughs) You but but it is hard to trust when you have people who were close and then maybe couldn't handle this or handle you and then it's hard to go down that path again once you've been hurt yeah i would my experience i'd rephrase it as to not be able to handle the situation or handle us, but use the situation. Yeah. Um, so that that's really what has... Yeah. So it wasn't people shying away as much as people trying to take advantage right. of. But you mentioned you were fortunate to have that core group of friends back home that were true and loyal and willing to do whatever you needed, even from afar. Having had those amazing friends led me, and being in that safety zone for so long in my life, led me to believe when we moved here that other people would be like that. And it, it was a real hard learning experience for me. Um, so, you know. But, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, but so I, I wanna, um, I wanna help remove the stigma from mental health problems. I want people to understand that it is a disease. Uh, and especially with these kids, there's they need help. They don't need to be ostracized. They don't need to be locked up. Well, sometimes they need to be restrained mm-hmm. and treated, but um, that it's not something that, that should scar them or mar them or mark them for their whole life it's you know they're i've seen what's happened with my daughter she's grown so much she still struggles and she'll struggle her whole life but now she knows she has tools she knows what she can do she recognizes things in herself so 
What's the one thing you would want listeners to know about your journey in in parenting a child that has had mental health concerns? The one thing I would want people to know is to accept and, and get educated. You have to accept your child for who they are. And don't pretend it's not there. Don't, don't pretend, pretend there's not a problem. Don't right. yeah. sweep things under the rug. Yeah. Tackle it head on. Yeah, you Just have go. to tackle it head yeah. on because if you don't, you may lose them. If, you know, if, Even if you do, you may lose them. Right. You know, even if you do, you may lose them. And um, it's, a, it's a very real thing. Um, very, very real thing. The pressures on kids today are so different than when we were growing up. Well, I'm way older than you are, but... <laughs> Um, you know, well, I'm 62, you know, so I had I'm, it when I'm I was 40. <laughs> but, uh, it, well, you'll get there eventually. I, yeah, yeah. And I'll come to you running with questions about my own bee. What do uh, I do what now? Do I do? Listen to her. Listen to her. Um, you can't be reactive with children. You can't be reactive. You have to stop and listen um, and, and trust them. She doesn't hide things from me. Um, <coughs> no, that's, sorry. that's something you said a couple times, and yeah. I I scribbled it down here to make sure I tell you. Like I hope I can do that with my kids. That they'll yeah. let me know when they're feeling something. Talk to me. Like, that feels like the most important thing we can do. Yeah, the interesting thing is they'll talk at the oddest times, and you have to be willing to stop whatever you're doing um, as much as you can sitting in the back seat though all of a sudden something will come up and you have to be ready you got to be ready to yeah to prompt a little bit and see what's really going on yeah or yeah. sitting next to you on the couch watching all of a sudden hey what do you think about you know and they'll she'll say something to me and and now it's got to the point where i'll get this text message mom i need to talk to you i need to tell you something that's amazing sure yeah i i think that that's the most powerful thing in our relationship and I also think it's the thing that saved her life how do you think you did it how do you think you got your relationship there I think that that was the relationship I always envisioned having with my child and so I, I didn't I don't know that I approached it in any formula I, I just knew that I wanted to have an open, honest relationship with my daughter where I wasn't judging, um, that I wasn't putting something on her that wasn't her. To, I wanted to make sure I recognized my daughter as her own person. I wanted her to be happy. You know, I wanted her to be healthy. I want her to have a family if she wants a family. I, I, I want joy for my daughter. If you could tell her one thing, whether it's something heartfelt or a piece of advice or words of wisdom, one thing to like leave her with, something heartfelt. What would you say to her? Find your joy. Find your joy. I'm gonna cry, <laughs> but find your joy, you know? Do you think she's found her joy or do you think she's still searching? I think she's still on that journey. I think she's still on that journey, yeah. I mean, what 20-year-old isn't? I mean, right. I mean, I'm way older I'm than still, 20. And I'm still almost there. 40 and still finding I'm, my joy. Hey, <laughs> I won't go there. <laughs> we yeah. can edit it all out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can do your thing. No, I, I will tell you that you know, I got this screw in my foot. So I, <laughs> some friends of mine were joking around. So I said, well, it's the first one I've had in 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm going to go out and find some joy. <laughs> so there's Good that. Yeah, there's that. There's that. Well, you know, that, that's another downside to being a single mom with a kid with mental health challenges. I had no partner in this. By, you know? by choice, by circumstance, by... Oh, it was, it was my choice to walk away from the marriage. Yeah, it was a horrible, horrible marriage. And then at that point, did you decide, though, to just immerse yourself with B and be a mom and let everything else go? go? Sacri sacrifice yourself? Yeah. I mean, I was going to be the best mom I could be for that period of time. Yeah. It doesn't last forever. You know, I was already old. I was only going to get older. So, I mean, you know, right? <laughs> Getting older beats the eternity. <laughs> and, and I, you know, and I absolutely had no interest um, in anything uh in terms of relationship-wise for myself at that point. None whatsoever. That part of me was dead.
Do you know? Yeah, I do. You do? Yeah, yeah. Saw a no little one, spark in yeah, you just yeah. like light up there. No any nice men in my Hey, we, we can we can work that on that. That aren't interested in marriage. <laughs> <laughs> well that's another episode for another yeah, day, yeah, friend. Another episode. For another day. How has your journey with B and all this changed how you look at other people or treat other people? I am much more patient than I was. I'm because of what I do and my expectations of myself I'm demanding I expect a level of performance I expect a level of delivery I expect <clears throat> a lot and I understand I expect more from myself obviously than I do from other people but um, I had a wall up and I was a little unapproachable you know I was a little scary and I know that. I'm still a little scary, but I need to be a little scary. Right? <laughs> I teach. I don't, think you're, I don't think you're scary yeah. at all. No, it's actually really funny because the students will come to me years later and go, we were terrified of you until we got on clinics with you, and then we realized you're a goofball. <laughs> you know? And I go, yeah, I have expectations, but well, let's go get ice cream. You know, it's a hot day. So um, I'm, I'm a softer person for sure. And I think you can go two ways when you have a challenging child. You know, you can either become softer and more interactive and more willing to reach out and become more open, or you can harden your shell, you can become bitter, you can become angry. And I remember being kind of perched at that dividing line. Am I going to retreat and make this our problem and our problem alone? and make it the focus of our lives or am I going to expand our horizons and are we going to be kinder and gentler to ourselves and to other people <clears throat> and that that was a conscious decision well yeah. I'm tearing up because I think that's the whole point is how can we come out of our stuff yeah and be better people yeah well you see my Facebook posts all the time I'm, I put all of this sappy goopy stuff up you know support women be kind pay attention to your kids and then some really political stuff too <laughs> <laughs> that's not so which, kind but which doesn't not tie in <laughs> to being good to each other right <laughs> right yeah exactly exactly um and uh I, I just i feel the need to reach out so earlier you mentioned other family members with severe depression and suicidal tendencies do you think your relationship with those family members impacted the way you empathize towards B and her own attempts, maybe? I sense? think so. I mean, in many ways, maybe it prepared me to be able to just accept what was going on with her um, and not, I mean, yes, I was afraid. I mean, there were so many nights I was so afraid, just so afraid. I, I remember I slept on the couch for years so that I could hear yeah. anything you know that was going on I, I, I she couldn't sneak past me I, I mean you know if she went I, I slept with the all the drugs we had in the house in a pillowcase underneath my I, that was how I lived for years um, which is not really living right? it's not living no no the the anxiety and the fear um, was tremendous and we're past that you know we're, thank God um, she's in charge of her own meds now. I, I don't I don't dole them out. I'm not in charge. I'm and, so I'm so sorry that you yeah. had to go through all of this. All that, yeah, yeah. And and look at you though. You have come out on the mm. other side, not well, unscathed. What, what is right? It? Yeah, no, no, no. I got I got scars. Um, but what what uh, well is that what is that saying? You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know. Um, it was very hard for me to not become bitter and angry. You know, there were times when I felt it, that it was starting to consume me and, and I'd have to work work away from it. You know, figure out a way past it. Who'd you blame when you're mad? Who are you mad at? When, when I was bitter and angry. Yeah. I, life in general. I didn't, well, I... Blame my ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> That's the long yeah. and the short, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's two of them. So. <laughs> well, they can take half, right? They can sure, split the difference. Blame. Yeah. Are you still oh, bitter? Oh no, I'm Are not you? bad or bitter. Not mad or bitter. Bitter, mad, mad. None of that stuff. No, I'm very much at peace these days. 
I know. I, it's been over the last probably four or five years I've started to realize I, I need to be peaceful within myself. What's next for you? What's next in the journey of Pam? Well, um, funny you should ask. Oh, <laughs> I feel like there's a story here. Well, I can't afford to retire um, for a few years yet, so I'm looking to retire probably at 69. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in a lot of different things. I may go into real estate. Really? I don't know. I really love real estate. Good fun. I love interior design, so how can I combine that? I might end up doing staging. Or some flipping or something. Or some flipping or yeah. something. Yeah, you know, I, I just have so much fun. I love to travel. I'd like to do some travel that's not work-related. Where would you go? Oh, God. There's. I, I have a bucket list. I do. I have a bucket list. I've never been to um, Southeast Asia um, I am going to Australia next year, and I'm going to South Africa next year. Oh, really amazing! Trip, should but... take your podcast on the road. Yeah, yeah, take us with you. There, I mean, my favorite country in the world is Italy. I just love Italy. My ex-husband was Italy from Italy, <laughs> Italian. So Bianca's half Italian, but it's a beautiful country, and I've never had a bad glass of wine, a bad cup of coffee, or a bad meal. All right, Danielle. Yeah, John. <laughs> <laughs> I have to stop us here. Okay. So Pam's telling us about all these places she wants to go, all the places she's been. She just finished telling us about a trip to China. China, yes. And then listeners, check out what happens now. The smog was awful. Awful, awful, awful. Did you know smog mm-hmm. is a portmanteau? It is a portmanteau. I learned this last week. The week before, a couple weeks ago. Anyway, did you have you ever heard this word before? No. Portmanteau. That's when you smash two words together to uh-huh. create a new concept. So smoke and fog. Yeah. yeah. So spork is one. What else do we talk about? Yeah, the most efficient eating tool ever. Yeah. Ever. I guess so you can, ever. Know, you can eat twice as fast. And I learned there's numbers on the back of those. There were numbers. Something. Our numbers were numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm proud of you and yeah. all of your. Well, you know what? Stress spelled backwards is dessert. Well, <laughs> give me some chocolate. Bring it on. <laughs> Just spell backwards as dessert. I'm I'm really proud of everything. I mean, oh, I know you've been through a lot. Well, I'm really happy to have you as my friend. You were a godsend across the street so many times. Just really were. Mm, I love you. Don't don't do it. <clears throat> don't do it. No, I. We miss you dearly. Yeah. I mean, it's not been the same. It's not been of the same. Of course it's not the same. In fact, I, I told... Less ambulances. <laughs> <laughs> Police aren't showing up every um, few months. Yeah, it's too quiet. Pam, <laughs> it's too quiet in our neighborhood. No, I, I told my daughter that I was... She she said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Pam's house. She's like, you're going to go see Pam? Well, how far is that? Because she's thinking when people move. They move They move away. away. Yeah. Yeah, and I said... You know, 15 We couldn't minutes. be as far away and still be in Champaign-Urbana, though. We're diagonally it is uh, completely across. Sure. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, so I told her I was coming over here, and she's, I mean, she was just, well, that's cool. Can Are you going to be back this week? Thanks for talking to us. Oh, yeah. Thank Anytime. You. I hope there's something useful. Oh, there. there's, there's a lot useful. There's a lot useful. Yeah. It's nice meeting you. It's great to meet you. Thank yeah, you for letting yeah. me come over. Oh, anytime, it. yeah. Today we met Pam. And we're thankful to have had her share her story with us and with you guys. It's really inspirational. Yeah. She lived through some stuff none of us want to live through. As and, a parent, as a person, as a... And came out on the other side. Yeah. And she did it by persevering, by making her daughter a priority. Yes. She was able to keep her career, keep a relationship with her daughter. And really a testament to to her character that when she needed help with her daughter or, you know, just in dealing with some of the things that they had to deal with, she sought out the resources that she needed. She was not complacent. She wasn't victim. She was really an advocate for herself and for her daughter and reached out when she needed that help. And I'm so thankful she did. And she lived it 24-7 and nobody around her would have known, which is the point of the podcast, right, Danielle? Yeah, we don't don't know. We don't know what people are dealing with on a daily basis, what baggage they're coming to you know, our relationship with them with, or their daily lives with, we, we have no idea most of the time. So that person you're honking at at the red light may be having the worst day of their lives. So let's be patient. 
Let's be kinder to one another. And when we have the opportunity, let's talk to each other more than just surface level conversations, but really get to know one another. Maybe we can help each other. And knowing that other people are struggling may help you not feel so alone when you're struggling. Right. When you're going through your stuff, your baggage, we're not alone. We're, we're not alone at all. And relationships are so important. So you guys just take a minute to listen. And so today we really thank you for taking a minute to listen to Pam and her story. So there's that. Hey, hey, just a friendly reminder that we are not trained professionals. Nope, we sure are. <laughs> this really is just a podcast about hearing people's experiences, listening to stories, empathizing, and being kind to each other. But you guys, if you need help, if you're going through something serious and you just don't know where to start, reach out to us and we'll try to find you the best resources, support, and guidance we can to help you work through your stuff. So there's that. Well, thanks as always for listening. We are open to feedback and (laughs) suggestions. (laughs) We're always open, guys. Feel free to type your feedback and suggestions and maybe we'll do something about it. We'll read them. We will absolutely read them and we will respond to all of the feedback. And I'll cry a little bit when you you say bad things about me. Um, Also, if you want to be a guest, if you have a story that you want to share, we'd love to chat with you. So where can they find us, Danielle? You guys can find us on really any social media platform. So there's that too, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Tinder. Tinder. We're not on Tinder. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) All right, John. Let's take them out. Get excited. Podcast. 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 Thanks Thanks for for listening listening to to this podcast. podcast.